Hello, my name is Kiana W. Mitchell, and I am a singer, songwriter, podcaster, and relationship coach. I am also a Christian who for years grew up in a religion that taught me to fear God instead of have a relationship with God. It wasn't until I lost my religion and developed a relationship with God that I was able to understand how much God really loved me. Each one of us have a story to tell about how we found God. Each one of us have taken a different path and a different journey to find God. So join me as we go on a journey through interviews and music to discover how people find God. I'm winning. Can't tell me I'm not. Yeah. Ain't nobody gonna tell me I'm not. I'm winning. Can't tell me I'm not. Yeah. Ain't nobody gonna tell me I'm not. Hello, welcome to another episode of the Finding God podcast. I am your host, Kiana W. Mitchell. Our guest for this week, Rachel Newman, is a best-selling author and certified life coach. Her specialty is helping moms prioritize themselves and create joy in motherhood. Rachel is a mom to three, a five-year-old and three-year-old twins. Desperate to find meaning and rediscover herself in the chaos of raising young children, Rachel develops systems to maximize her time, reorient her mind, and prioritize herself. She shares these strategies in Mom Me so that other women can find joy in motherhood. So without further ado, here's the interview that I did with Rachel. Hello, Rachel. How are you doing today? I'm doing well. Thank you for having me. Oh, anytime. Thank you for being a guest. I am so excited to have you here, and I can't wait to hear your story about how you found God. Okay. All right, so let's get started. Um, My first question is, what was your childhood like? What a loaded question. Um, (laughs) I think my perspective might be a little bit skewed looking at it from an adult perspective now that I have children. Okay. I think if I was looking at it when I was still a child, I would say it was just kind of busy. We were always on the go. Um, I am from a divorced family, so it was kind of back and forth between mom's house, dad's house, and my siblings and I always had activities going on. Um, Now, I think as an adult, I would say it's a little bit chaotic, but, um, you know, we never wanted for anything. Okay. Well, that's interesting. I know... Well, actually, I was one of those kids. We did things, but we weren't very busy, which I guess I'm very appreciative of because I was the kind of person who just wanted to be in my room, read a book, or sing, or write. So I think having too much activity would have been too much for me. However, my sisters, on the other hand, they always wanted to be out and about and doing things. So I have to uh, relate to that. (laughs) (laughs) So did you guys go to church or anything? Did you know anything about God during that time? So yes, we did go to church. I grew up in a very Catholic family. Um, so we definitely went to Catholic church. Um, and it was a every Sunday we we're going Wednesday nights. We also had um, what we would consider like our confirmation classes. Okay. So classes that you did preparing for confirmation. Um, but outside of that, like, it was something that I would say we did more as a practice versus an actual belief, at least for my siblings and myself. Um, so it definitely wasn't until later in life that I built a relationship with God. 
No, I get that because I think that's kind of how everybody starts out. I've talked to a lot of people and it seems like it's always the same thing, even for me. It's like we weren't Catholic or anything, but it's like the religion was more like a practice. It's what you did. You could mark things off the list. I went here. I did this. So I think it's pretty much across the board how a lot of people view God. Because I know for me, it was kind of um, compartmentalized. Like, okay, so I have God here throughout the week. It's my time. I can do what I want. And then every weekend is God's time. So I totally get what you're saying. Yeah. And I think that's an interesting perspective on it too, because that's, that's exactly what I would have said is that it was a performance. You show up on Sunday, you perform, and there's not really much of his presence in what you were doing on a day-to-day basis throughout the rest of the week. Yeah. And I think that's like that for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. So when you did go to church, what was one or two things that you found about God at a young age that intrigued you, interested you, or made you wonder more about him? So for us, it was always very interesting, the role that the priest played in services. Um, So we are from a very large area outside of Dallas, um, and we went to a very large congregation, and it was just very heavily um, priest-focused as far as service went. But then when we would go home for Christmas, especially Christmas, Christmas services were always my favorite. We would go to my grandparents' house, um, which is just a tiny town in Iowa, and the priest there would conduct a Christmas service in under 45 minutes. And it was, for for a Catholic service, that's like nuts. Um, And it was absolutely phenomenal to go. He made it fun. It was light. It was a joyous time to be there. And you didn't really feel the same sense of I'm here to perform and complete this. I must be in attendance. Um, It was actually more an enjoyable experience. Oh, that's neat. So you mentioned that it was more of an enjoyable experience. It seemed like it was less time than what it was at your church. And I get that because I don't know what it is. It's like when you go to a place or a church, especially if it is less time. I don't know. I just seem to get more out of it. Than when I had to sit there for hours because then I find myself like daydreaming, drifting off, thinking about things, and sometimes even saying, I just wish I could go right now. So I can understand why it might be more enjoyable if it's a shorter amount of time because you can get so much packed into like a small window of time instead of drawing things out. Definitely. Well, and especially like, so that's one thing that I've noticed too, like being raised in a Catholic church and now practicing in a non-denominational church, it's very different where you have, it is so structured with Catholic services that it's just, I mean, not to offend here, but it's up, down, up, down, up, down is literally the name of the game with it. And when you find a priest who does things a little bit differently, especially as a young child, you're like, oh, this is really cool. This is different. I'm going to pay a little bit more attention. So it was definitely kind of cool to see that. Yeah, absolutely. So as you got older and as you went into your adolescent years and preteen years, how did your relationship with God look? Were you closer to him? Did you get further away from him? What did that look like for you? I think there was a period of years where it was literally performance and nothing, and which was pretty much through most of my teens until I was pretty much my junior, senior year of college. And Everything I was doing was just not working. And I was like, something needs to change. 
you know, one of my friends invited me to, um, we have different organizations on our campus and one of them happened to be a Christian's women, Christian women's organization. Um, so I went to that with her and I found there were a bunch of other women who were in the same place where they're like, I'm a little bit lost. I didn't like what I had experienced before. Let me see if there's something different. Um, and I actually started going to a completely different church, not Catholic at all, um, with a few different friends of mine there. It's when we really recreated our Bible study group. And that is kind of blossomed into what my relationship with God is now. That's awesome. And I like how you mentioned two things. You said, um, first, the thing that made you kind of want to go, things weren't working in your life. And so that's why you wanted to go. And then after you did go, you realized that, okay, so maybe I should try something new. Maybe I'm not going to be Catholic. So I guess that my two questions are, first, what wasn't working in your life? that makes you think about things differently and just reevaluate your relationship with God? So part of it at that point in time, um, we had obviously coming from a divorced family, you have lots of turmoil with your relationships with your family. And I found that I was kind of always seeking that um, approval from my performance with other people. And I just knew that that was not serving me. I didn't really have a self-identity, a self-worth outside of how I was perceived by other people. So I knew that something needed to change. It just didn't feel right. Um, and a friend encouraged me, this is, it was my best friend since I was 13 years old. When she is encouraging you to do something, you do it. Um, so she encouraged me to come along and I noticed that I was surrounded by other women who had the exact same problem. I mean, we were maybe 20 years old at this point. So I say women with like a just barely on the cusp of womanhood. Um, and we're all sitting there with the same kind of thing. We're looking for a way to find our worth that is really internal. And that's what it is. Like God, we are worthy because he makes us worthy. Um, not what somebody else down the street or your parents, whoever says is your worth. No, I get that. I just think that it can know for me when I was in my early twenties, like junior or when I was like a junior, senior in college, same kind of experience, because it's like, especially if you've grown up in a church or a denomination, there are so many things that they tell young women that we have to do, we're expected to, you have to get married, have kids, you have to do certain things. And so it is hard for you to kind of figure out who does God want me to be? Who am I? Because of all the things that are put on you. And especially if you have parents, now parents are great, especially if they love you and they're like, actively in your life but sometimes that can be too much because they have expectations that they're throwing on you so it is hard to find yourself with all the expectations that people have for you so I get that 100 percent yeah it's definitely something that has shaped how I am parenting my children we have um, a five-year-old and three-year-old twins um, and wow. it's a really good time <laughs> And I will say like having the twins and the experiences of being a stay at home mom with three under the age of two at that point in time, um, definitely I had to rely more on God. Um, my relationship just blossomed with him at that point because there was nowhere else I could go. And I knew only he could give me the strength to manage the entirety of the situation. Yeah, absolutely. Because I remember when my kids were younger, I didn't have three under well, kind of sort of in the same situation, happy under five. I had like, when my daughter was born, my youngest daughter, my oldest daughter was three, I had a two-year-old, and then I had a baby. So okay. it was three under three. And it was hard because, you know, 
first you have to take care of the youngest one, then you got to deal with the other two. And it was difficult. And I did find myself like thinking about how I parented, how I did things, even the things I let them do in church. Because when I was younger, um, if you went to church, you couldn't write, you couldn't read or do anything else to read your Bible. I didn't even get snacks, okay? So it was just like, I had to sit there and listen. If I got in trouble, then I would get in trouble. But then when my kids and I was taking them, I'm just like, this is crazy. I'm like, I cannot expect a three-year-old and a two-year-old to sit for hours. And the church I went to was more than like, it was, it was quite long. So I can't expect them to sit there for hours, not talk, just be quiet, not color, not draw, and not have snacks. So that experience helped me to realize, I was like, okay, so I need to start doing things differently. So I would bring them snacks and I would let them write and I would let them draw because at that age, I mean, they're not going to retain much anyway. And me forcing them to sit down is just something they're not able to do. So it just made me rethink everything that I did. And I did find myself asking God for help. Like, God, what should I do? Because it's like when you have kids of your own, as you know, it's like you want to do things differently. Some of the things that happened to you when you were a kid or some of the ways you were raised, you agree with, but then you don't agree with everything. So that's when I started to change some of the, a lot of the things that I did. Not saying I'm always wrong or anything, but I just wanted to do it differently because I just realized that, you know, these are kids. They're not doing this to be bad. They're not doing this because they're just trying to get to me. Like, this is just developmentally, it's not capable of them to do all of these expectations that I have for a three and a two-year-old. Right. And so as you were talking about the snacks, you gave me this memory of, um, so in Catholic church, we had Cheerios. We were somehow still allowed to have snacks. Um, but this of course was, you aren't allowed to have breakfast until after communion. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and by the way, we went to 1145 in the morning service, so we're not eating until lunchtime. Um, but when you're itty bitty, I know that's absolutely crazy. Um, when you're itty bitty, we were allowed to take Cheerios to church but you could not spill them on the floor. And of course, inevitably with children, that's going to happen. So Mm -hmm. you just made me think of that. And I was like, yes, that's definitely like snacks are life with children. You, you have to give them snacks. Like this, that's just the way it is. Um, yeah, it did also make me think about now, um, how you had said that we do things a little bit differently. I think it also comes down to our children are just a little bit different. They have that we have the perspective of grownups seeing the things that they did and remembering it. That's a hard word. Um, Remembering all of these things from obviously like a grownups perspective. So, but we weren't the same children our children are. I could definitely not imagine things that my parents did working with my kids now. Um, And my husband and I also have a bit of a disagreement in how we want to introduce our children to religion, Um, not God, but practicing religion. I think um, we both come from a Catholic background and it's definitely not something we wanted for our kids. So we are taking the approach of like they go to a Christian preschool, they're introduced to it at school all day long. Um, We have taken them to church individually, where we'll let them sit with us during a service, then they can also go to the kids area and do that. Um, So that way they have exposure to it. But I also am not going to force them to sit and be there for an hour and a half at a time and have the expectations that um, to me are just not realistic for tiny children. No, I get that. Even my kids are teenagers now. And so when I, was, 
Yeah, it is. They're all girls too. So, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> that's just how that worked out. But it's like with them, I don't force them. Like I told people, it's like I, when I was younger, my mom forced me to have devotion, which I get. I understand where she was coming from. But let's just be honest. Wake me up at five o'clock and tell me we're having devotion. I don't remember anything because she'd be reading out of books and I would just go to sleep during prayer and throughout the whole thing. So I would literally just get up, go to the couch and go to sleep. So I don't do that with my kids. But what I do is like whenever I have a chance to like just talk to them in like daily life, we talk about, oh, well, you know, did you thank God for this? Or if they lose something, they're like, mom, where is it? I was like, I don't know. Ask God. And then I'm like, God, please tell them where it is. And then we always find it. It's hilarious. And they're like, and then after we find it, I'm like, hey, did you thank God for that? Because I prayed that you would find it. Or now they'll ask God to help them find it or do things. So my whole approach is like, I want them to have what I didn't have at that age. And that's the relationship with God. So that means talking to God, asking him questions. So I'm kind of like trying to do things like that instead of forcing them to have devotion or forcing them to go to church if they don't want to or something like that. I'm like, it's important that you have that relationship with God because we have to be honest. I know how I was when I was a teenager. I didn't have much of a rebellious stage, but the little bit that I did have was primarily because I was just forced into religion my whole life and I didn't know anything else. And so I'm like, you have to let, I realize I have to let them choose because God let me choose. He gives us all free will. Now I can introduce them. I can let them know, hey, you know, God loves you, this, that, and the other, and talk to them about it. But I honestly can't force them to do anything. So that is why I'm just like, they need to know that God loves them. And also, like, have that relationship because it's about loving God. You can't just be forced to do something. You can't just follow a whole bunch of rules. It's like, you have to love God because when you do love him, you won't do things not because you're afraid, not because you think you're going to go to hell. You won't do things because you love God. And it's like, well, I love God. And it's for her chance. So I'm just not going to do that. So that's kind of where I am with my kids instead of where my mom was with me telling me, you're going to go to hell if you do this, Kiana. Don't do this. You shouldn't. And all that kind of stuff. I get it. Yeah. Well, it sounds like you and I have a very similar perspective on how we want to introduce religion to our children. Because yeah. I think you said it multiple times is that you can't force the relationship And the more that you try to force them to build a relationship when they don't understand it or want it yet, the more they're going to be resistant to it. So, and that's the approach that we're taking. We talk about God. We have our Bible stories. We um, talk about different ways that he's done things in our lives um, and really just know like Jesus loves you. He obviously is going to provide for you. And this is something that you will be able to build and cultivate that relationship over time. I it's very hard to communicate some of those things to three-year-olds, um, but we're trying with our with our five-year-old. She's slowly starting to get it. She's asking more questions, and then of course you're answering the questions and hoping that kind of, you know, gives her a good foundation where she can make that choice herself later in life. Yeah, most definitely. And then I also see it like this: these are God's kids too. So where we fall short, God is not going to let them fall. He's going to talk to them. He's going to communicate with them. Because I feel like, just like I found God and realized it was a relationship, then the same God will help them to realize, hey, it's, I want to have a relationship with you. I love you. You know, that kind of stuff. I really honestly do believe that God will actually talk to our kids and lead them in the way they need to go and to get them where he wants them to be. So that's another thing. Because it kind of takes pressure off of me. I'm just like, I just introduce them 
and let them see God in me, and then God can do the rest and talk to them and lead them to him. See, and that's a great point. Um, I think that was probably one of the pivotal moments for me where I started cultivating that relationship a little bit more um, was because I did have a moment when he did talk to me and tell me that I needed to do something that I wasn't quite ready to do. And when you ignore that message, um, which I did at that point in time, I wasn't ready to take the step that he was pushing me towards. Um, Things that maybe are not in your favor happen. Um, So he pushed me at a point in time to end a relationship with someone who at the time things were great, but he had obviously better things planned for me and I wasn't ready to see that. Um, And a few months later, things ended in a really rocky and not great way. So I, I love being able to kind of explain this to them and obviously not that full way, but um, explain to them that he will call you and push you to do things that maybe you're not comfortable with um, because you just can't see where he's pushing you to go. You know, there's that meme that has um, Jesus holding a little teddy bear and then there's another bigger one behind his back. Yeah. Kind of like that. He's, he's got something before you, but something better is coming. No, I get it. I love that illustration because sometimes it's hard for us to see, especially if it's not something we wanted to do or if it's not something we pictured happening for us in our lives or whatever it is. It is hard to trust that, okay, so God has something better. And to let something go that you are just set on is difficult because I know in my personal life, there have been times I was like, nope, Kiana, don't do this. Do this instead. And like you said, I didn't want to do it. Not because I didn't trust them, but it's just like, God, this is what I'm meant to do. This is what I should be doing. Like, it's almost like for me, you know how like there's a GPS. I have it on my phone. So there are times where I set it to the right instructions about where I need to go to my destination. But then I don't listen to it. It's telling me to go this way. And I'm like, nope, I'm going to go this way. So it keeps rerouting and rerouting until finally it gets me to go where I need to go. And I kind of think God's the same way. Like God will set a course for us. It's like, okay, follow this path. This is what you need to do. And we'll be like, nope. I want to try this instead. Nope, going this way. Oh, this might be faster. Oh, I might do this. And instead of just abandoning us and leaving us lost, he's like, okay, well, you didn't do this. We're going to change the plan and you can do this instead. Or you may have to go through this, even though I didn't want that for you, but you may have to go through that to get here so that you can reach your destination. So I kind of see it like that, but I, like, I know exactly what you're talking about. So now I always pray, God, I'm like, I don't want to do this, but if this is what you're telling me to do, then fine. (laughs) I just give up. Like, I don't want to do it, but this is what you want me to do. Fine. And normally for me, it's hilarious. It's usually about forgiving people or treating people who are mean to me or treating me wrong a certain way. Because I know recently I had my mindset to do one thing and God was like, no, Kiana, do this. I was like, I don't want to. Like, why would I have to do this? And, you know, I was like, why do I have to be the bigger person? I'm tired of being a bigger person. Like, can I just be a smaller person for once? And he was like, no, you cannot be a smaller person. You got to be the bigger person and you have to do the right thing. So yeah, I, yeah, it's difficult. <laughs> but I, I, can do relate, it. I can relate to all of that. Um, and I think, so a big point in my life too, when you were saying like, he's calling you to do something and calling you to be the bigger person and just go through it. Um, So after we had the twins, so this was in the height of 2020. um, So we had them in July of 2020. I left my teaching career, um, which I was a German teacher for eight years. Absolutely loved it. Oh yeah, I have a very interesting (laughs) teaching background. But um, so at that point, our oldest was not even a year and a half. 
Um, I left my teaching position because childcare was going to be way too expensive. Um, and around August, when all of my teacher friends were heading back to school, um, of course, the twins are a couple weeks old at this point, and I'm home by myself with them all day, every day. I just got this big sense of resentment that this is the position that God has put me in, that I, this is not what I envisioned for myself. This is not what I wanted. Um, why does my husband get to go to work and I have to, quotation marks here, y'all, um, have to stay home with my children? This doesn't feel, again, quotation marks, as impactful as what I was doing as a teacher. And I just sat in that moment. Of course, you have all the postpartum hormones and you have like, you're just isolated um, at home with these kids. And I just stewed in that resentment for a very long time. Um, and it took a good friend of mine pushing me to just leave the house every day and get out and just see what God has put out there as opportunities for us to bring the joy. He will always find a way to bring joy to you if you are open to it. Um, and that's what really started, you know, I started journaling again on how I am being impactful, how God is using me to grow my family and how this is my place. Um, and what I'm doing here is even more impactful than what I was doing in my classroom. Um, and it took about six months of just kind of wrestling with this for me to kind of have that awakening and come out of that um, with a little bit deeper of a relationship with God and appreciation for what he's done, even though it was definitely not the path I had intended for myself. No, I just didn't. I, I can't keep a mom thing, to be honest, because it's like I work, my husband works, but when the kids get sick or if they need to be picked up from school, who picks them up? It's me. And I'm just like, but I work too. Why do I have to be the one to take to use? And I, it's like I have leave, but I don't use it for myself. It's always using leave for the kids. So I get it. It's like, I don't know how this happens, but it always falls on us. To do all of the work but I get it I understand that whole resentment because I felt that for a while too and what can I do to come out of it I think I just prayed about it and I was like well God I was like I don't like this but thank you for giving me the opportunity to do this and thank you for the fact that I have a job where they understand I'm a mom and I can go pick my kids up or I can go do this because every time I did have a lot of flexibility and a lot of leave at that job so I just started to thank God for that and was appreciative that, okay, yeah, I can't save my leave and do these awesome weekends in Atlanta or out of the country, but at least I can pick my kids up if they need to. At least they have insurance and I can afford my copay. So, you know, I just started looking at it like that. And that's what kind of brought me out of it. But it seems like gratitude is just the way to go and just realizing that even though this may not be the situation you wanted, we're still blessed in it. And I do think that one day when you do go back to work, and the kids are older, you'll probably look back on this time. Like, I'm just glad I had the time to spend with them because they grow up so fast. Like my kids are 17, 16, and 14. So they grow up so fast. It's like, it's like you look at it and you're like, where did time go? Like what happened? So yeah. It is. Well, and then when you start looking at things through a lens of gratitude and seeing what God has done for you. Um, and I talk about this a, a bit in the book that I wrote actually to help moms um, kind of figure out how to prioritize themselves and to bring joy into motherhood. That's part of it is looking at things through the lens of everything God is doing. He is doing for me and not to me. He is using this opportunity to grow me and to help serve 
him and, and provide his message to other people and show, you know, his love in the world. Um, and I wanted for a very long time to go back to work and be able to have, you know, have my children go to school, have those interactions and all of those experiences. And um, December of last year, actually, so right about this time last year, we made a what most people would consider a spur of the moment decision. We had an yeah. opportunity fall in our laps. We took it. Um, so I'm actually back in education now in a different role. Um, but this one does give me that flexibility, like you were talking about, because of course we are the ones that go pick up the children. Yeah. Um, so it does give me that flexibility, but it also gives me another sense of purpose where I'm back at a collegiate setting. So I am helping people figure out what to do with their lives. And I'm also still able to be present in my kids' lives. Yeah, and I think that's the best of both worlds. It honestly is to be able to do, be able to help other people and then still be present in your kids' lives because it would be a shame if, you know, we did all this stuff for everybody else and we neglected our own kids and they didn't get to know what it was like to feel that love and acceptance because we were always busy. So I think it works out perfectly. Yeah, it's a good time. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So congratulations on your book, first and foremost. I would like to hear more about it. So tell me more about your book. So my book is called Mom Me, and it is a guide for moms on how to say goodbye to the overwhelm, to figure out how to prioritize yourself. Um, and here I'm not meaning the self-care of taking care of your hygiene. I mean, taking care of yourself mentally, physically, spiritually, emotionally, relationally, all of the different ways that we need to take care of ourselves and to really find ways to bring joy into motherhood and to the mundane moments, especially with toddlers. It is, it's very easy to get lost in the chaos of what's going on around you and forget to build those intentional relationships with your children and your spouse and your friends and just manage all of this um, and still feel like yourself. So this is a book that is based partially on my own life experiences. Um, well, there is a lot of life experience in it. Um, but I use my story as a way to guide readers, moms that are feeling that same overwhelm um, to a state of enjoyment in motherhood with practical strategies, applications, um, overall advice, lots of freebies, um, handouts and things. So I was a teacher, so I had to create the things. Um, so that way they can actually get to it and leave with something that will help them find more joy and be able to prioritize themselves in this season. I see, I love that because it is easy to forget about yourself and to let yourself go because you're worried about little kids and taking care of everybody else. But in order to have that, in order to be the best version of yourself that you can be, you have to do all the things you said. You have to take care of yourself emotionally, physically, spiritually, intellectually. Like you have to do all of these things so that you can be a better mom for your kid, a better partner for your spouse, even better for yourself. So I totally agree. It sounds like an amazing book that you wrote. Well, thank you. It's definitely one that was a labor of love trying to figure out what to put in there. Um, and there are a couple of chapters in there that honestly dive deep into how you do need to have a relationship with God in order to, again, feel like your worth isn't in the number of tasks you completed today, or, you know, I wiped a bunch of toddler bottoms, like that doesn't make me quote unquote feel worthy. But if you flip the script and say, I have three children, I get to be present. I get to help take care of their needs and show them how to take care of themselves later on as human beings. Um, when you flip that script, you do find more enjoyment and motherhood. And I think it's, 
it's really, again, one of those things of like looking at what he is doing for you and not to you. Yeah, exactly. I think it's all about reframing what you're doing. So if there was someone out there who's actively looking for God, what advice would you give them? I would tell them that they need to kind of really look inward. Um, I'm a huge proponent of journaling and even just writing out like, well, what is on your heart right now? What is a problem or concern that you are wrestling with that you don't feel like you know how to um, find your way out of? And I would start journaling about that and really seeing, you know, for me, it was pretty starkly clear that I don't have the solution. I can't give myself extra strength. I can't give myself um, extra feelings of worthiness on my own, you know, right. It is not something that um, you can create, really. It's something that you find with that relationship with God. So when you're journaling through that and, you know, getting into scripture, there's nothing better that you can do for yourself than journal things out and head to the scripture. So my two favorite, um, so I play around with various versions of the Bible. I have one in German, I have one in NIV, and I have one in NASB. So I like to go through all of them. Um, And in the back of them all, they have um, that little section that says, like, when you're struggling with XYZ, look here. Uh, That's a good place to go. Like, if you're anxious about something, head over to a few different scriptures and write through that, read through those sections, um, see what resonates. And that that really, for me, was the biggest point, um, was getting into the scripture and journaling it out and really just praying and finding um, that he is there with you in the moment, even if there's not a solid answer for, you know, what you're struggling with, he is present with you. I love that, how God is always present with you. Well, thank you so much for being a guest on the Finding God podcast. It was a it was an enjoy. I had a great time talking to you. It's enjoyable. So thank you so much for being a guest. Thank you so much for having me. I absolutely love this interview. I especially like how Rachel talks about how the beginning of her Christian life started out with her being busy and not having a real understanding of what it meant to have a relationship with God. I guess the reason that I love this so much is because I think that's how all of us started out. First, it starts off with us having a knowledge of God, which eventually for some of us, leads into having a relationship with God. So if you are feeling exhausted by all of your knowledge and religious activities, then I would like to encourage you to stop, breathe, take a moment away from what you're doing, and take some time to get to know God. Talk to Him like you would talk to a friend, and rest assured that God is listening, and He will find a way to communicate with you. The song that we're going to listen to this week is from our Artist of the Week, Patience. And we will be listening to his single, Northern Lights. Oh, 
outside, we catch flights flown. In and out of these time zones, we chase the love in all different forms. Hoping we can keep our mind blown. We got it wrong, trying to swerve right. Hoping we can stay up all night. We've been told to find love in the club, but that's a lie that leads to another fight. On the inside, we find pride that tries to hide, but it will divide our sound mind. That will remind every passion we was given with the worship God. We so tired, where can we begin? To find a true love, we can rest in. A love that's so rare, you can see it in the air. It's for this kind of love we were destined. So we turn up, don't shut down. Understand what we can have now. A love so bold, a sight to behold. But we light up the sky when we touch down. Don't run now, let's plan a trip to head to a place where our faith is lit. Closer to the one who gave us only son, true love, and stick to the manuscript. Man. But you know that it's worth it. She's my love like the northern lights. That's in the air to catch a glimpse of that you can't stand here. Gotta head to the northern southern hemisphere. Not every year, but almost 13. For this beauty that's your nature to be clearly seen. Those who've been a couple times might take it for granted. But for us seeing this is only a dream. It's the same thing when I think of God. The love that he's given to a hard heart. We hear his name so much, we get numb to his touch. But others that I see, we disregard. Like the northern lights, he's so beautiful. His love should entice everyone to go. Witness his bliss, have his presence in our midst. Take an unclench if it's a vacant mind. This world's cold, we got sun and counterfeits. But he's the one who gave his life for all. And seven times he called, he'll never let us fall like after the summer, you don't have to wonder where the church is. You spend your time in them verses. True love will reveal it's more than what you feel. You seal and you see that it's worth it. This world's cold, but we got sun in the counterfeits. But he's the one that gave his life for all. And since every time he call, he'll never let us fall like after the summer, you don't have to wonder where the church is. Spend your time in them verses. True love will reveal it's more than what you feel. You seal and you see that it's worth it, man. But you know that it's worth it. She's my love like the northern for being here with me today and for listening to another inspirational story about how people find God. If you love the podcast as much as I love spending time with you, I encourage you to share this week's episode with a friend or family member and to make sure that you like and follow the podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. I will also love it if you would leave a review for the podcast so that you can let me know how much you are enjoying the show. If you would like to get in contact with Rachel, Patience, or myself, All of our contact information can be found in the show notes, and all you have to do is click on the links below, and you will definitely be able to get in contact with me. If you would like to be a guest on the podcast, click on the email address in the show notes and let me know that you would like to be a guest, and I will make sure that I get in contact with you and schedule a day and time for you to record an interview. If you would like to submit music to the podcast, click on the email address in the show notes and send me an email letting me know that you would like to submit a song to the show. And this email, send me a picture, a short bio, and an mp3 of the song that you would like to submit. Well, I think that's all for now, so until next week, have an amazing day and a wonderful weekend. Bye-bye.